Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the latest post-game edition of Head of the Pack. I'm Matt Schneiben here with Bill Huber, coming to you live from Green Bay, Wisconsin, after the Packers' 35-20 to win over the Houston Texans in Houston today. Uh, Bill, I mean, this is what we kind of expected from the Packers this week. Aaron Rodgers said it not only after last week's game against the Buccaneers, but during the week, and he reiterated it again after the game today. Today was about proving that last week was a fluke. And, you know, they, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers and, and all of them claimed that none of the talk or the criticism got to them. But I, I really do believe there was an internal motivation to prove that last week's 10-point output and, and massacre by the, by the Buccaneers was, was just a fluke for this team and that the Packers are still on a path to possibly contend for a Super Bowl. And I think they, they made that statement today. Granted, it's against the Texans, but... What do you think about how the Packers responded from last week and what they showed today? It's it's what we thought, right? I mean, I remember wrapping up last week's podcast. I just said that the Packers are going to kill the Texans because this is what the NFL is, is when you have a really good team and they don't play well, this is what happens. Um, they, they always return to form. You know, teams play bad games. It, it's human nature that over the course of, you know, you go from the start of training camp to you know, even the start of January, you're talking about a five month grind where you're going to lay an egg once in a while. It's, it's human nature. And I think, um, I, I think the Packers had a bad taste in their mouth and they, I know Adam said both last weekend today that it had nothing to do with us. Um, but it is the internal motivation to kind of lay that to rest. And yeah, the, the Texans were the, uh, the barrier today. And that was a predictable result. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, and, I think we maybe lost sight of how dominant Devontae Adams can be just because he hadn't done what he did today or in week one since week one, because in week two, the Lions kind of devoted all their resources to stopping him. And then he got injured in the third quarter. He missed the rest of that game. He missed the week three game against the Saints, missed the week four game against the Falcons and the bye week. And last week against the Buccaneers, he has six catches for 62 yards which would have been more if Aaron Rodgers had had been more accurate on a couple of those interceptions that he threw, which were both intended for Adams. But, I mean, you, you have to make the argument that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are up there, if not the best quarterback-wide receiver duo in the NFL. I mean, Rodgers goes 23 for 34 for 283 and four touchdowns. And Adams, I mean, just absurd numbers, 13 catches on 16 targets, a career high, I should say, 196 receiving yards and two touchdowns. And that's after what he did in week one when he tied the franchise record, uh, tied Don Hudson, I should say, with 14 catches, another two touchdowns, 156 receiving yards. So maybe it's because the Packers are playing secondaries like the Vikings and the Texans that aren't great, but... That's what you're supposed to do against these kinds of secondaries, isn't it? You know, eight, what were the Texans thinking? I mean, they, they, they <laughs> never, I mean, e- even Adams said that too. I think it was Tom Silverstein's question today. Well, you know, they, 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 I shouldn't say they never double. You know, maybe they did, but it certainly wasn't often enough. And, you know, Bradley Roby is their quote unquote stopper. He is their guy who follows the number one receiver week after week after week. He goes out with a knee injury the first drive. Um, it was like me and you were on him. It was, it was a massacre. And they, it, you know, if they adjusted, I, I I have no idea what the adjustment was because Adams ran roughshod. The 196 yards, the most for any player in the league this year. So, um, and again, he could he could have gotten over 
200 if they wanted to, but they didn't have to play that last try. <laughs> so I, I, have, I have no idea what the Texans were thinking, but he is really good. And, you know, you, you go to that opening drive, it was a third and one. Um, Rodgers to Adams for eight. It wasn't a good pass for Rodgers. It was low and behind him, but he made it look so ridiculously easy. It was it was not even commented upon by the broadcasters about what a terrific catch it was. That's, and that's how good Adams is, where even hard things just look really, really easy. Yeah, and that's kind of what Devontae Adams does. I mean, yep. he doesn't necessarily get the recognition, I don't think, at least. Maybe I'm, I'm uh, jaded by the fact that I watch him practice every day, but <laughs> I don't sense the fact that he gets the same recognition as uh, Julio Jones or Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins, but he, he deserves that. He's right up there with the best of them, and his route running is ridiculous. I'm looking out my window right now. It's snowing. Jesus Christ. Brutal, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry for getting <laughs> sidetracked, but that that's yeah. ridiculous. Well, that's, that's understandable. It's absolutely ridiculous, just like Devontae Adams. I wanted to talk about <laughs> Jamal Williams a little bit because we hear all – preseason, all training camp, all regular season, how how valuable he is. And yeah, we see it every now and again, but you don't really truly see how valuable he is to this team until your all-pro caliber running back is out with a, a mild calf strain. And Jamal Williams had 114 total yards, 77 yards on the ground with with one rushing touchdown to kind of seal it there at the end, four catches for 37 yards. We've heard about how Jamal would send Aaron Rodgers videos via text of him running routes in triple digit temperatures this summer before he would post them to his Instagram. And, and these guys just, it, it's hard not to love Jamal Williams as just as a person, but it's very evident that everyone on the Packers loves him as a player. And it's easy to see why based on performances like today. Yeah. He does everything well, doesn't he, Matt? I mean, you need some, I, I realize he missed the blitz against Tampa last week, but by and large, he's a rock back there for that. He's a great receiver, you know. It, I mean, he's, he's not a great runner, but you know, if if it's blocked for three, he gets you four. If it's blocked for four, he gets you six. He's he's one of those kind of runners, um, kind of that jack of all trades. And you're right, he he is the energy guy. I mean, he is he is the toughest sob. <laughs> he's, you know, he had that concussion. Like, was it last year or the or the year before? Oh, no, it was last year against um, the Eagles. Well, on the, okay, on it was the last year. Yeah, first um, play of the game. Yeah, it, it, right. And and we all think. He's going to miss the next game. And we all think, because it was a cheap shot, that it somehow it's going to have an effect on him. No. No, he plays the next game. And, you know, a mere mortal would, would probably cringe at taking a shot like that. It was a wicked, nasty shot. Nothing, nothing bothers him. He is, there's something wrong with the guy, Matt. <laughs> I mean that in the best possible. There's something wrong with the guy. I mean, he, you guys, he got his helmet knocked off twice in their first quarter today too. Oh. And it was like, eh, whatever. He goes off for a play, gets his helmet back on, comes right back. And he is, he is tough. I, t- I tweeted, if Jamal Williams was allowed to play without a helmet, I'm not he fully convinced that he would put that helmet back on. I think he might play without a helmet if he was allowed to. I mean, just the energy he brings and, and after every first down, he does the little dance and he does an emphatic point toward toward the other end of the field. And yeah, it gets lost sometimes maybe because Aaron Jones scores so many touchdowns and because A.J. Dillon has big quads. But Jamal Williams is really an invaluable piece of this team. And, and Matt LaFleur said it today. We view Jamal Williams as a starting running back. We think we have two starting running backs. And that begs the question, are him or Aaron Jones going to, I hate to bring this up for all the fans because, you know, 
you guys are in a, a nice mood right now, but him and Aaron Jones are both in the last year of their rookie contracts and they share an agent. And, you know, there's a chance neither of them are on the Packers next year. But performances like this and performances like the ones Jones has put in this year make it ever so much harder for the Packers to let them walk. And, and I think that's a good thing for, for Jamal and he deserves whatever he's going to get. Yeah, he's going to earn money from someplace because there's there's always room in the league for for guys like him he's Starters he doesn't money. need to right he doesn't need to have Aaron Jones workload week after week um he he's so unselfish I mean, either that he's the either that he's the world's greatest actor because he's never ever ever let on that he's jealous of Aaron Jones success um that he's um wishes that he had Aaron Jones opportunities he's never let on any of those things he is He's different. I mean, you've been an Brown athletes for a long time too, man. I mean, he's he's just different. I think that's obviously Jamal's like one of those guys that you hate to go against, but you love to have on your team. And there are a couple guys like that on this team. And I'll use that to transition into my next point. That you, it's cliche, but you never know who's going to step up for this team. I mean, we talked about it in post game with with some of the players, but Henry Black forces like nobody outside of Green Bay knows who Henry Black is. I mean, that's ridiculous that Henry Black forces a fumble and then Adrian Amos comes up with a big sack. Chris Barnes plays another good game. Vernon Scott has a tackle for loss. I mean, what did you think about how it's basically all hands on deck with David Bakhtiari out, with Billy Turner switching to left tackle, Aaron Jones out, Kevin King out, Darnell Savage out, and you couldn't really sense there was a drop-off. Vernon Scott needs to play more. Um, that's my two cents on that. He's He showed up in training camp. Um, I, I thought I thought he had earned a role in training camp, and he, obviously he did not. But I think he needs to play more. Um, I, I'm I'm blown away by Billy Turner. He was he was not good last year. No, there was there's no sugarcoating. He was he was not good last year. He gave up seven or eight sacks, and you think you, you're going from guard to tackle. And it's like, man, how this how's this going to work out? But he's he's been really good. He's like probably the biggest surprise in in, in my mind. On the team, he he's been he was really good at right tackle, and then he goes to left tackle. Where, well, I guess I'm surprised they didn't put Watt against him more often, then maybe test him some more. But he he gave up that early sack to Merciless, and they got bailed out on, on the third down penalty. But other than that, I, he didn't even notice that he was out there. I mean, he was really good. Um, yeah, I I I think they need to maybe try to play some of those young DBs some more. It was good to see Kamal Martin back. I th- I thought he he showed pretty well for a guy who hadn't played in a game since. Last year at Minnesota, they've they've got some intriguing young guys. Where you, you look at some of the other guys who maybe aren't performing up to snuff, and you think maybe some of these other guys should get some more run. And I would think, I would think Martin is maybe one of them, and, and so is Scott. Yeah, I definitely agree. And obviously, the missed field goal helped them preserve the shutout in the first half. But this was more. I think you know the, the talk will be about the offense and putting up thirty-five points after putting up ten last week. But this was more along the lines of the defense that Mike Pettin wants to play. Granted, you know, as has come to be the story with Mike Pettin's defenses, when they get big leads, they kind of take their foot off the gas, but they did what they needed to while the game was still close. And and Zedarius pressured the quarterback. Preston Smith uh, sacked, uh, or not sacked, but forced to turn over on, not sacked to Sean Watson, but forced to turn over on downs. It's pretty much everything we've been asking for for this Packers defense with the Smiths. I mean, I, I said this during the game, and I asked Adrian Amos about it. I don't think Jair Alexander got thrown at once. 
he's a shutdown corner. Like, and shutdown doesn't necessarily have to mean you break up every pass thrown to you. It can just mean nobody throws at you because you're shutting down the receiver, in this case, Will Fuller, and the one touchdown Will Fuller had, it was Ty Summers in coverage. And Jair wasn't even on him on the goal line on that play. So we've talked about this on this podcast before. The Packers have a couple big-name star defenders, Kenny Clark, Zedarius Smith, Preston Smith, you know, Jair Alexander. But they, they struggle to put the pieces together, and they struggle to play as a unit. Today, I think they did. And that's not a bad Texans offense. The Texans put up 39 points against the Titans last week. And the Packers held them in check until garbage time. Alexander, um, he was thrown at once. It was the play before the touchdown. It was a pass to Fuller, and he broke it up in the end zone. Right. Yes, you're right. So, so otherwise, I'm just looking at the game book now. That that is his only statistical contribution. In the game was one pass broken up. That's a pretty, pretty quality day. Um, you know, you you can um, roll your eyes at Green Bay's offense for in some regard because the Texans defense stinks, which I point out to Nathaniel Hackett on Thursday that the, the, the Texans defense stinks. <laughs> but when you when you've got Deshaun Watson, and it's a good group of receivers, that might not be obviously they give away Hopkins in a, in a horrible trade, but it's still a good group of receivers. I mean, all those guys would play for the Packers, right? All those guys would play Fuller, Cobb. Cooks, all those guys will play for the Packers. Um, you know, the running backs are whole humble, but you know, Watson and those receivers, that's that's a good group. And yeah, they they did they did nothing until the game was over. So this is this is a legit performance, I think, by the Packers defense and, and one they sorely needed after getting um after being unable to turn the tide against Tampa. This is that's this is what they needed. And this is <laughs> Yeah, so this is now what, two or the last three weeks, so they've they've played good football against Offenses with good personnel, so this is a a promising trend, I would think. And we've all wondered about the pass rush. It was there today. I mean, the sacks again. The sacks weren't there, but I think Mike Smith and those guys will be happy with the pressure they put up. I agree absolutely. And today was a day where you know we'll have to watch the film back, but it seemed like they were forcing Deshaun Watson out of the pocket and pressuring him yeah. to make uncomfortable decisions rather than maybe taking him down. And that's what Mike Smith wants. Uh, I know you put out a call for questions. Hey, we got any questions to, to answer here? Um, we might. Um, I will stall here real quick as I go to the old tweeter. You know, I, I mentioned the Packers offense against the defense. The Vikings, they beat. They are 31st in scoring. Houston is 29th. Atlanta, 26th. New Orleans, 24th. Detroit, 21st. <laughs> so, Man, I don't. I mean, again, they played really good on offense, and Rodgers is Rodgers, and, and what they did without Bakhtiari and, and Jones is impressive. But it, you hate to keep putting asterisks on these things, but man, oh man, that is that is a bad list of defenses. And I I, I kind of need to see them do something against a good defense. Only had the Vikings at Lambeau on Sunday. That probably doesn't count. Uh, then the short week against the 49ers, maybe we'll get a better feel uh-huh. of just how good this group is. I, I think you make a good point. And that's a double-edged sword there because that's going to be the argument for the Packers season just like it was last season. They they beat the teams they were supposed to beat and they didn't beat the 49ers. And that was the story of the Packers season last season. And so far the story of this season is they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, even the Saints, um, which is kind of an exception to that rule. And then they get demolished by the Buccaneers. So I think coming up they have the Vikings, the 49ers, the Jaguars, the Colts, and then they play the Bears twice. They play the Titans down the road. So while the Vikings and Jaguars certainly are teams that they should beat, they're going to get a couple tougher tests here. I mean, the 49ers beat the Patriots 33-6 to today. The 49ers are all the way back. You know, 
that they're back to being that team that everyone thought they would be after their their Super Bowl appearance last year. So I think that game will probably give us a true barometer of whether that game against the Buccaneers was was truly a fluke for the Packers. But listen, it, no game is is easy in this league, and and they got to take care of teams like the Texans when they can, and that's how you make the playoffs. You don't slip up against these teams, and the Packers did just that. Absolutely right. All right, questions. Um, Sam from Connecticut, and my phone just freaked out at me. Oh yeah, here we go. Are you at least a little concerned that Dylan did practically nothing against the league's worst run defense? No. I mean, A.J. Dillon hasn't really played much this year. I said before the game, people are hyping him up like he's the next coming of Jesus Christ. I mean, <laughs> he he could very well be the Packers' number one running back next year. He could very well be a, a really good back in this league one day, but he hasn't really gotten many in-game reps, and he's not an established pass catcher. He's not an established run run. Uh, run not run blocker pass blocker and the Packers just don't trust him to do everything that they require of running backs to do in their offense so I don't think it's a a knock on Dylan that you know he only had five carries for 11 yards today but I think in time you'll see him start to get into more of a groove in this offense uh, granted, you don't have Bakhtiari in there, which kind of helps with the run blocking because he's one of the best run blocking offensive linemen in the league. But this this A.J. Dillon hyping him up and then being like, oh, what happened? I, I don't think it's necessary yet because we shouldn't have those expectations around him yet. No, I, I do think Houston probably tried to take away the Packers running game. I, I think that probably plays a part of it. And, you know, he, he came into this game, I want to say, with 13 carries. He had more than that in 31 of 35 games at Boston College. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a guy who's used to getting the ball a lot, and I, I, I do think it's a difference when you just haven't gotten the ball. It takes these backs a while to get going. So I think today was probably a, big, a good game for him just to get his feet wet a little bit. Um, also, this is the same guy asking the Sam with the same – it's the same Sam from before, but this is asked by a bunch of different people. Do you think this performance from Jamal um, makes it more likely that Aaron Jones will be gone after 2020? That's a good question. I mean, I think we already knew that the Packers could probably uh, get by without Aaron Jones just because running black running backs are replaceable in this league. But I think today further enforce the, the notion that Jamal Williams is capable of being a number one running back in this league. And if the, as much as I love Aaron Jones as a guy and as, as great as he is to talk to every Friday – and as good of a player as he is, if you can get Jamal for $8 million less a year, or maybe it would probably be a little bit less than that, Jamal will probably command a little bit more uh, than that on the open market, then why not do that and and use the money you save on a Kevin King or a David Bakhtiari to ensure he stays in Green Bay? I mean, it's a it's a troubling reality for Packer fans to face, but... I would have to argue that games like today do decrease the value of Jones on the open market, at least when it comes to the Packers resigning him. Yeah, can't argue with that, Matt. Um, it will be fascinating to see the market for Williams, though, because this is a really good free agent crop of backs. Um, and, and the cap is supposed to go down. I realize you can structure things to take advantage of expanding caps in the future, but it'll be really interesting to see the market for Williams um, just, because, just because of how many backs are going to be out there. And the fact that I mean, he is... He's a really good all-around player, but I mean, there's not a 
a lot of splash there, and it, it, what he does is easy to get lost. So I'll, I'll be really in- interested to see um, what kind of money that he commands here come February. No doubt. Um, from John P, the OL had a few, or the OL had few breakdowns today. Were the Texans that bad, or was the line play that good? And why don't you think they moved Jenkins to left tackle, even though they had a new issue with him at right tackle earlier in the year? Yeah, I was surprised that Billy Turner started at left tackle. I either expected Wagner to play left tackle or Jenkins to play left tackle. I know we talked about it uh, after the Buccaneers game, but I did not anticipate Turner moving to left tackle being one of the options. But save for a couple slip-ups in protection and Rodgers moving around well in the pocket, I thought they did a great job. One quarterback hit, no sacks. Granted, the Texans' pass rush isn't great, but... Anytime you have J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless on the other side, you know, you got to be pretty good to, to not allow them to really do any damage. Granted, they, the Packers only averaged 3.6 yards per rush today, which isn't great. But in terms of pass protection, they really rebounded nicely from last week's debacle. And it just goes to show that the Packers, you can still make the case they have arguably the best offensive line in the league, if only because... They have so many guys who can play so many different positions without a drop-off in performance. Yeah, that is really key, Matt, too. I think I think that's a really, really important point um, because you're not going to get five guys unless you're just incredibly lucky. You're, you're not going to go play play 16 games with the same five guys or, or 15 or 14. That's just that's just really hard. So I do think that 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 versatility. I think I think it's a great point that you can stick Turner here, there, and everywhere, and he gives you a good performance. And I, I, you know, I. I would think they probably made that move today just just to maybe limit the other moving parts. Because if you put if you put Jenkins at left tackle, for instance, not even you left guard. Um, at least if you do it this way, you 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 know what you got in Wagner, and he's played right tackle a fair bit this year. Um, I think it just probably made sense to to go that way. Just the, the, the it was the easier of the two moves, and sometimes easier might be better. Yep, I agree. And I I don't know who asked this because I've lost it, but. When is Alan Lazard coming back? Now, you saw him at practice, which is, which is why I want to make sure that you get this. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us what you saw at, at Friday's practice from Lazard. Yeah, so Alan Lazard has been at the past couple practices on the side, whereas in the first two weeks after his core muscle surgery, he was not on the side at practice. He's been doing sprints. He's been moving well. He was dribbling a soccer ball. He was dancing. Now, that's a whole different ballgame than getting hit in the core <laughs> by you know a 250-pound linebacker or a hard-hitting safety, but it's a good sign nonetheless. I I would fully expect Lazard to return this season. Um, He's eligible to come back now. I mean, he's missed three weeks, weeks four, five, six, and now, well, weeks four, five, six, and now seven. Yeah, so he's missed three games, four weeks, so he's eligible to return whenever, but I wouldn't see the Packers. Listen, we know the Packers are super conservative with their big guys. We saw them sit Devontae, and, and Kenny Clark against the Falcons when they probably could have played. You saw them sit Aaron Jones today. So I would not expect them to rush back Lazard until he's fully healthy. I don't want to make a, a guess on when he returns because I'll probably be wrong because I'm not Dr. McKenzie, but it is a good sign that Lazard is at least moving well at practice. Absolutely. Um, this is from Jim Badger fan. The Packers have two potentially really good prospects at inside linebacker with Barnes and Martin. How does that change the defense? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I, I liked what I saw from Kamal Martin today, especially in the run game. I think 
Obviously, we know he was the number two guy alongside Christian Kirksey before he had that MCL injury in, in training camp. I think Chris Barnes has has been a pleasant surprise. Ty Summers, you know, he he's kind of lost by the wayside and, and rightfully so. But once Kirksey returns, it's going to be a fight for that number two guy between Barnes and Kamal Martin. And what a world that we're in that we're saying the Packers might have too many capable inside linebackers. When's the last <laughs> time we said that about the Green Bay Packers? Never. <laughs> Never. AJ Hawk? No. Never. As good as he is with McAfee, I mean, it, th- this could be, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin ha- have showed some nice things. Granted, they have their, their slip-ups and uh, Texans tight end Pharaoh Brown, who I, I remember covering with the Raiders. He was just a, a lowly practice squad guy, absolutely leveled Chris Barnes on a block today on a David Johnson run. And so there are some things they need to shore up, and, and Kamal was not expected to be perfect in his first snaps of the season, but you got two rookie inside linebackers who are playing good snaps for you, and then a veteran who was playing well before he got injured that is probably going to come back sometime this season as well. So it's not the worst case scenario for that inside linebacker spot. You're right. I, I want to see Martin in coverage some more. Um, he's an athletic guy, but he's so long and I mean, he's like he's got like offensive tackle arm length. Um, I kind of want to see that in coverage. A as far as you know, jamming guys, and, and B, you know, this this isn't real hard here. But if you're two inches off in coverage, if you have 34 inch arms compared to 31 inch arms, you got a better chance of breaking up a pass. So. I, I I do want to see that ranginess once he gets worked back in there because I mean that is still the Achilles heel of this defense, isn't it? Is all those intermediate passes, crossing routes. Um, I would like to see him, and once he gets all that rust kicked off, I'd like to see what he can do to maybe shore up that. Yep, I agree. Um, Ryan Stepan wants to know, do we stand a chance against the 49ers in their rushing offense, <laughs> or will it be a repeat of last time? Not, well, not, look, Ryan, you're, you're looking ahead. You can't do that. It's one game at a time. <laughs> Listen, he's, he's pressing the reset button twice. The Packers' run defense has been pretty good this year, aside from that Buccaneers game. It, you know, they've held guys like Carryon Johnson and Todd Gurley and Dalvin Cook relatively in check. And today they held the Texans. Granted, the Texans' running backs are trash, but 3.6 yards per rush, you know, 22 carries, 79 yards. The Packers' run defense, without Tyler Lancaster, who has low key been pretty good for them this season before he got hurt. They played pretty well today, and granted, the 49ers are a whole nother animal, but that 49ers O-line is banged up. You know, they don't have exactly the same offense that they did last year, but I I think this 49ers game coming up in two weeks, and one at a time, do our 111th, don't look past the Vikings, but I am going to look past the Vikings because that 49ers game is going to be in primetime at Levi's Stadium where the Packers lost 37-8 to and 37-20 last year, including in the NFC Championship game. That's going to be a real measuring stick game, and that run defense is going to be tested. If Raheem Mostert is back, that's going to be a, a test. That's an underestimation right there, or an understatement, I should say, because you know he he's still running from that NFC Championship game. 186 <laughs> rushing yards before contact the 49ers had in that game. That's just an absurd number. Is that not good? It's is that not good? Pretty damn good. Well, not okay. good for the Packers, but yeah. uh, you know, Mike Patton is going to not get any sleep that week on a short week before that Thursday night game in prime time. But yeah, I, I think the run defense 
has a chance to keep up because they've showed much more promising signs this year than last year. I will say that's that's how I'll wrap that up. It's a huge game again. I don't want, I, we shouldn't look past the Vikings either. Um, for fear I'll be running forty yeah, ers in headlines this week. Yeah, <laughs> 40, 49ers running back Dalvin Cook and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but after getting waxed by them twice last year and getting waxed by the Buccaneers this year, they have to play a good game. If they, if they get knocked around again. How do you recover from that? You don't. I mean, it, you don't. It's just the yep. dread of knowing, oh, there's one team that we can't beat. That's what it is. All right. Christopher Karlecki wants to know this is a great way to put a bow on all this. How do you guys feel about Tampa Bay being a blip, as some have mentioned it, for being a pretty good game today? I think it's the best team they faced, and it matters. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, the Raiders are a pretty good team, and the Buccaneers just beat them 45 to 20 today in, in the afternoon slate. In Vegas. So the Buccaneers are the real deal. And I hate to say this for all you optimistic Packer fans out there, but again, that Buccaneers loss, and I said this last week, gives me a little bit of deja vu to last season because we saw last season how the Packers pretty much beat everyone they were supposed to. And then there was one team in the NFC that they couldn't hang with. And that was the 49ers. And that was the difference between the Packers playing in their first Super Bowl in a decade and, and not. And until the Packers can prove they can beat the 49ers, they can beat the Titans, they can beat the Bears, that ominous cloud will be hanging over this season of, are the Packers really a Super Bowl contender or are the Buccaneers, again, that one team they can't get past? And you just know, Bill, you know the Packers are going to play the Buccaneers in the playoffs and that storyline is going to come back again. And who knows if the Packers win again? Uh, I wouldn't put it past them because this season has already been unpredictable, but uh, I think for now the Buccaneers you can say are a better team than the Packers. Yeah. I don't, I don't put much in that blip either. Um, Ask me next or I said next week, (laughs) ask me for the 49ers game in two weeks. If it's a blip, um, you're right. They just they they have to show that they can measure up against these really good teams. And you know, I, I went through the defensive rankings of points a lot of of the teams they've beaten. They've they've beaten a bunch of really bad teams, which is great. You got to beat them. And one reason why these teams they've beaten are so bad um, on their defensive rankings is because the Packers put a million points up against them. So that's part of it. But they have to. They just have to play a good game. I mean, hell, they, they could go to the Niners and lose, but if they lose by a field goal, you feel, you feel better about things. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a blip. I don't think the Tampa Bay game is a blip until they can show that they can go toe-to-toe against a really good team. Um, I guess I will, I will believe it when I see it. Yep, and that's a good way to put a bow on this, that, that we shall see what happens down the road. Vikings at Lambeau next week, then the 49ers on the road. On Thursday night on a short week at Levi Stadium, the House of Horrors. For Bill, I'm Matt. As always, read Bill on SI. I'm obviously over on The Athletic. For the Packers and their 35-20 win, for us, we will talk to you guys next week. As always, thanks for listening.